servant. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. Let us be attentive. Brethren, it is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. Here tithes are received by mortal men, there by one whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not according to a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life, For it is witnessed of him, Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Peace be unto you, the reader. According to St. Luke, let us be attentive. At that time, the parents brought the child Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And inspired by the Spirit, he came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, 
a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is spoken against, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. That thought of that thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years from her virginity, and as a widow till she was eighty-four. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she gave thanks to God and spoke of him to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. Peace be unto you, the proclaimer of the Holy Gospel. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Today, we celebrate a great feast in the life of the Church, which is, of course, as we've heard in this Gospel, the feast of the entry of Christ into the Temple, or Ipapanditu Kiriu in Greek. Every year, we remember this date on February 2nd. So this year, we are especially blessed to have this great feast fall on a Sunday so that we have the opportunity to be here as the greater church community in this celebration. We just heard an account of the details of Christ's presentation from St. Luke's Gospel. And this morning I want to take a few moments to highlight some important points from the story and also share with you an experience that I've had the blessing to have had last week. The first blaring point in our story is obedience. We see that Mary and Joseph bring their child into the temple for both the purification of Mary and for the blessing of Christ. We know Christ was not conceived in a natural way and thus his mother was not subject to that same need of purification. However, here, just 40 days old, we see Christ subjecting himself under the law along with his mother. We see the same idea popping up over and over in the life and gospel accounts of Christ. The continual following of the law of God himself. 
Surely he could have done whatever he wanted. But what type of God would he have been if he did not, by his example, show us exactly how we are to behave ourselves? Sometimes in our lives we hear of certain, perhaps, political figures who might find themselves to be above the law that they have sworn to protect. We must pray for these people while remembering ourselves that in everything we do, we must remain obedient for our own salvation and so that through the witness of our example, we do not scandalize others who are looking up to us. How would we expect our children to respect us if we do not respect our parents? The law that Mary and Joseph were obeying by presenting Christ is found in the book of Leviticus chapter 12, which speaks on the ritual after childbirth. The next point I wanted to mention is that of the turtle doves and the pigeons being offered. It's from this chapter in Leviticus which suggests that a lamb be offered for purification. But in order for us to know the house in which Jesus was born was not one of lavish or excess, we see that instead of a lamb, two doves or two pigeons are offered, which as Leviticus tells us is the proper sacrifice for those who could not afford a lamb. So because Mary and Joseph could not afford a lamb, they offered two turtle doves, one as sacrifice and one for forgiveness. Again, what an example for us to see our God, a poor, humble baby, in his birth and now in his presentation into the temple. This is not something we should pity. This is something we should imitate. Finally, we are introduced to Simeon, of who we are given just a few details. We know he is very old. He studied the prophecies, searching to find who the Messiah would be, and that the Holy Spirit had told them that he would not die until he had met the Messiah. Simeon was also accompanied by Anna at the temple, who was very advanced in age, which all the, the fathers, if you remember the number was 84, all the fathers when they were writing, they couldn't help but notice that seven, the number of completion, and 12, the apostolic number, multiplied, make 84. So just something, 84 is, is a, a number that we remember in the church. So she was very advanced in age, but in the person of Simeon, I see faith. Imagine seeking something your entire life, reading scripture over and over, looking for clues on the Messiah, something promised to Israel from God with no exact time frame. But Simeon was told he would not see death until he saw Christ. I know Simeon didn't live in today's world of instant gratification, but could you imagine that? Waiting, thinking, well, I'm 60 years old, any day now. Well, I'm 70, any day now. Now I'm 80, any day now. What made it all possible was his faith. He trusted in God's promise, and so it was fulfilled to him.
This brings me to my short story, which I could not help but share with you this morning. Now, faith is a tricky thing these days. We are surrounded by numerous things that test our faith on a daily basis. I often find myself praying the very common prayer, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. So last week while I was away at the Youth Workers Conference, we were all presented with something that was beyond words. And I apologize that what you hear from me will not do the experience justice. In a small town just outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania, which was on the other side of the state, we were in, around Pittsburgh for the conference, a small little town of Taylor, about two and a half years ago, an icon there began to stream myrrh. And normally, I mean, perhaps you've seen pictures of an icon that cries and, and you'll see some, a light streak down, perhaps near the eyes or from the hands, you'll see a streak of myrrh. This icon that I got to experience and venerate, it flowed myrrh from every inch of the icon. It flowed so heavy while we were there, the priest pulled it out of the case that it was enclosed in and held it over about a hundred of us sort of like we do with the Gospel. He held it up and we all were able to put our hands underneath it and receive the myrrh flowing from this icon. So it has been flowing now for two and a half years with very few exceptions. It only, the priest says, the, it's, the myrrh stops flowing on Holy Thursday and again begins after the resurrection. So during those times that we have the heavy fast and we're preparing for Easter, the icon itself does not spill the myrrh that rejoice. The smell was overwhelming. It smelled as if you were in an entire flower shop, but in front of you there was just a small icon, perhaps the size a little bigger of the sheet of paper. The priest went on and shared stories, miraculous stories of healing, people who had encountered this icon of different faiths, of a Muslim man who turned Orthodox, of the small little community in Taylor, Pennsylvania. They don't even have a stoplight. I think they were saying just a a little yellow flasher in the middle of town over there. And that was where the Virgin Mary decided to show herself in this miracle and allow the followers there to become closer to Christ through this gift. Why do I share this and what does it have to do with faith? Sometimes we seek for miracles and in this rare opportunity, I was given one. However, we're not always called to see miracles. Not the blatant ones like this where you hear stories of stage four cancer being healed people with life-threatening illnesses being healed, marriages brought back together through this icon. In a very few moments, we'll pray for the Holy Spirit to come down and bless the bread and wine and turn it into the body and blood of Christ. That miracle you will experience today. That is something that you will partake of today. And that is a way for your faith to be strengthened this day 
and every Sunday when you come forth for the body and blood of our Lord God and Savior. Amen. Again, we bow to you and pray to you, good and loving.